Are you fireworks? <laughs> yeah, those are fireworks. Oh, that's great. Happy fourth. Happy fourth. Or happy sixth, I guess. Whatever. Whatever. Seventh? I don't know how you to know, do days. When you have one of those birthdays midweek, you stretch it out. That's right. This July 4th feels like uh, a bir- like a birthday dinner for a friend who's going through a rough patch. Who's got a terminal illness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. We're, we're gathered uh, at the bedside. Yeah. And- maybe maybe a meth phase uh, this yeah. guy's going through. Yeah, and it could because a meth phase can go really only two ways. Yeah. You can't keep going where you're, the way it's going. No. You're either going to die or you're going to get better. Exactly. And that's, you know, what's yeah. going to happen to us. One yeah. of the two. Yeah. Hey, America, we hey, – uh, America. We can't. I mean, we notice the the tremor and the irritability. Your teeth are falling out. Your skin looks goddamn terrible. Oh my god! You've aged fifteen years mm-hmm. in two months. But you're thin. <laughs> no, no. But we're here for you. And yeah, uh, yeah listen. You have heard us in the following ways. America. <laughs> it really. It's like having a uh, like a teenage daughter. Yes. Who's just like she said she hated you this morning, but it's her fucking fourteenth birthday. Yeah. And you got to take her out to Shakey's Pizza. And you love her so much because where would you – but you also – you fucking kind of hate her now yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Bad anyway. Face. Well, so, happy birthday, America. And we're recording this pre-fourth, but your plan yeah. is to just be submerged in the pool? That is the plan. Yeah. Yeah, that is the plan, to eat grilled meats and to be submerged in a pool and then to go up to wine country. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Just get the hell away for 24 hours. Just a you and Ben kind of thing? A handful of friends. All are welcome if you feel like getting in the caravan. Can Um, I bring my mom and my nine-year-old and and 11-year-old niece and nephew? If there's one thing I know about 11-year-olds and nine-year-olds, they love to stand around Mm -hmm. uh, while uh, people do things that they're not able to do, like sip wines. I would sip a wine when I was nine and 11. Would you? That's a different story. Okay. (laughs) I used to steal – beer whenever I could from my dad and just chug. When people say like, oh, you don't actually like the taste of beer, that's like a lie the culture tells you. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, no, that is that. Because when you're a kid, you like what you like. Yeah. And I liked beer. Wow. And I still do. Did you ever get caught? Oh, yeah. Well, he thought it was cute and would allow it and Uh celebrate it. Uh This speaks to a whole host of other issues around substances and stuff. Yeah. The show. Uh, you and you will have uh, you'll have visitors. You'll I'll have, have visitors mothers. and mother. We're gonna do Disneyland. We were just Great. researching, you know, how, how much money can one throw at Disney to make Disney a manageable experience? And yeah. it turns out a lot. You really, yeah, you can spend a lot of money I if you want to have a private guide. But yeah, or you yeah. can just show up, go on three rides until the kids are exhausted, and then get the hell home. I think that's what I we're think, gonna do. I think that's the idea. Um, uh, uh, another very important. thing thing that we learned this week as a culture uh, is that uh, butterflies will not perform on command. Oh, God, that was devastating. It truly was devastating. I know this is late news by the time yeah, that we're, we're releasing it. But... We're the last case to sign off, to sound off on yeah. Asia O'Hara and her non-performing butterflies. But my God. She deserves better. I mean, she God, did. she really is one of the best. And, you know, I, I thought at the very least she's going to be miscongeniality because sure. she's such a heart and was so such a mentor to them. And then Michael reminded me there was that time that she was very shady to uh, Miss Cracker and told uh, her, I don't think you're a star. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hard to about bounce that. back from that. Yeah, difficult one. Also, um, I mean, it's a big stage yeah. under hot, hot lights. How are those butterflies going to read anyway? Yes, even the successful version of that. Yeah, how underwhelming. That gone. Underwhelming. 
Yeah, that was really R.I.P. Asia. Yeah, and her butterflies. And you know, it's World Cup season, so like in the when when somebody like. Uh, you know, makes a makes a shot in the shootouts at the end, like Spain mm-hmm. Russia ended in a shootout, and when their shot gets blocked, it's the same kind of look that Asia O'Hara yeah. had, had on her face, just like just a look of just utter despair. Oh, like I gave fuck. this my all, yeah. And these insects aren't doing what I want them to do. Oh Oof. well, that was that was really brutal. But I was happy-ish for Aquaria. Sure, she's great. Yeah, I mean, I was rooting. My my heart was with, um, you know, what's her name. Uh, essence no the the big girl oh eureka eureka really you didn't lo- you don't love eureka i'm leaving this what? podcast is over wait 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 you don't like her you're we never no talked about this. i really i i didn't at all no. unless she wants to be a guest on this show unless she wants to be a guest on the show her. um i she okay her uh being a giant baby and like pounding the ground and wailing uh-huh. to me is everything that's wrong with rupaul's drag race how would how so? Um, the uh, the scripted comedy on that show yeah. is abysmal, and right. I mean, we love it. It's a great show. It's I, every everything. It does great things for the culture. All of that. But when they are funny on purpose, if you went to a club, yeah. and and the the like, the curtain opened, and it was like, this is our show. Mm-hmm. It is a giant man in a diaper, and he's going to scream like a baby. You would not stay at that club. Sure. Even if you had already paid for your ticket, you would yeah. leave, right? So I don't – I just don't – yeah, I don't find her particularly amusing. Yeah, I think I'm just so I'm, – I'm, I'm a little brainwashed by the machine that is Drag Race where I, okay. I think everything that happens on there is great. It, you know? I think there – I mean there is incredible unintentional humor. There's great yeah. like spontaneous interpersonal stuff that happens on that show that's really interesting. But then they like – then they, they like – Condense that stuff to expand the amount of times that you know Ross yeah. Matthews can make a, a pussy pun. You sure, know what sure, I mean? Sure. Or Michelle Visage could tell you to cinch your waist more. <laughs> Which to me, it's not all that interesting. Like when I see a drag show, I want to see you know I want to see a Dina Martino, I want to see a Lady Bunny, I want to yeah. see somebody with a clear sensibility, you know, and maybe a look mm-hmm. that's fucked up and all over the place, but like not boring. Yes, you yes, know? yes. But they, yeah, you're right about the scripted stuff. They could yeah. use maybe some maybe some comedy writers. Maybe just a little a little punch up person. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, what else happened this week? Oh, I wanted you to teach me uh, about something that happened. Uh, came across my desk and I just swiped it back away, which uh-huh. was big dick energy. Oh, you didn't you didn't click right I on the big li- dick no, energy? No, I, I saw I saw it and I just sort of like averted my eyes. Okay. Okay, well, um, let me see if I can explain. Um, the jumping off point was Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. Sure. And and her sort of little like teasers and Easter eggs that she puts all over social media that he's got like a huge dick. Oh, which, she's the one who's putting – oh, I see. She put that sort of – that out into the world, which by the way – is the only thing in the world that makes sense right now is that Pete Davidson has like a 10-inch dick. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that it's, makes the world yeah. make sense. Um, so somebody at uh, at The Cut wrote a, a long piece about big dick energy, which is distinct from cockiness okay. or mere confidence. It's just a it's a relaxed way of navigating the world. And was a woman writing this or a man? Yes, a oh. woman was writing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know so, what? Yeah, I think I see you see that phrase, and I I assume it's the way a man has 
is describing himself. I'm like, fuck you. I don't. Oh no, no, no. But now I'm interested. Yeah, well, go right on back and write it. And then there's you know tons of speculation about who does and does not possess big dick energy. Who are celebrities? Who are celebrities? So I mean, of course, you know, to to say a John Hamm or a or a uh, uh, um, Justin Thoreau, who we've seen. Yeah. We've seen Justin's was stuffed. I, I, I think I believe. Do you really? Yeah. You say this as a Jennifer Aniston fan? Is that she left clues? Yep. Interesting. Uh, I, no, she, I, she didn't need to. I the, look. It's a rumor I'm starting right now. Oh, I see. Year, but I'm, I see. I'm happy to. No, I want to believe. Start it. I want to believe. I want to believe that those um, sweatpants are real. Yeah. Well, I think I feel like everybody that Jen has been with mm-hmm. has BDE. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I don't know that Brad Pitt does. You don't I think, think he just has very handsome man energy. I bet the D is mediocre. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see that picture of him and Leo DiCaprio from some new movie? I mean, I, he looks like a grizzled middle-aged woman now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's what uh, Thoreau has to look forward to because that's what happens when you take everything that's good in your life and you throw it away. Uh-huh. Good luck. Damned. Good luck to you. She also um, well, and then there's then she's got John Mayer also in her in her. Well, uh, he I, claims to have big dick energy. I he has he has dick that's a different color than the rest of his body energy. <laughs> Do you get that from him? What? Do you get you know like sometimes it's just it's like a different shade than the rest of the uh, body, uh, like still a human skin shade, but yeah. just like it doesn't match. No, it's not like it's not orange. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was picturing. No, 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 no. But just like yeah, yeah, a yeah. darker brown than everything else. I, I don't know why, but he is all from the beginning giving me that energy. I, that really That's a does different post for the cut to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Even though I don't know that I've ever seen that. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I don't well, think. I don't know. You know, sometimes dick speculation is all you can do on a nation's birthday. That's right. right? What better way to celebrate America? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know one other great way to celebrate it. Tell me that's, about it. To talk to this week's guest. Oh my God. Um, she is a writer and producer on two of our greatest shows uh-huh. Transparent and Pose. Uh-huh. She and is a, a musician. Oh, yeah. She is a legend. We're going to be talking to Our Lady J after the break. And uh, Poe's Pride Month rolls right along with our guest. Uh, she is a writer and producer on Transparent and Pose and uh, freshly back from being the Grand Marshal of San Francisco Pride, Our Lady J. Hey, guys. Hello. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Please, thank you for coming. So, so tell us about uh, your congrats on being Grand Marshal. Thank you. I mean, that's huge. That was, what, is, what does it entail? I rode in a convertible with my dog, Liberace, yep. and waved for about 10 miles, and I did not get a sunburn, Great. so I think that was success, a success. Um, yeah, just it was just an honor, really, uh, to show up and be at all the events and speak at a couple things. I spoke at Trans Pride as well. Yes. Um, and now I'm really tired. I bet you are, but it's a good tired. It's a good, it's a great tired. So what's like, talk me through the agenda. What do you, what do you have to do for the whole weekend? Well, um, I got in and then I head 
a press event the night I got in, uh-huh. and then the next day was the trans march. So I spoke at the rally before the march, and then for the march, I held the, the banner at the front along yeah. with Angelica Ross, who's also on Pose. Uh-huh. And and then the next day, there was a brunch that I went to um, where all the grand marshals were honored. There were community grand marshals and celebrity grand marshals, and um, I spoke at that event. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the parade. And then I performed after the parade oh, on yes. the main stage. We should have said musician as well, classical pianist. I do do music sometimes nice. when I need to. So are we having late nights this weekend or are we, are we getting I'm to bed at a sensible I'm too old for late nights, hour? you know. I've, I'll be 40 this summer and um, – 95% of this 40-year-old is plastic. Um, so the 5% that is actually alive needs as much rest as it can get. <laughs> um, that's why you just have to get all your partying out of the way before 9 p.m. as we just did in Provincetown. Oh, that recently. is exactly right. Yeah. And then kept going. Yeah. I don't party. I, I wake up and I work and then I get beauty treatments and IV infusions and then I go to sleep and that's pretty much all my life is right now. That sounds like a sounds very like good a life. dream. Yeah. It, it feels good. I do enjoy it. I love work more than anything. So as long as I'm working, I'm happy. Uh-huh. We're recording this at 6.30 in the evening and you're going to the gym from here. I am. I mean, that's dedication. By, well, I'm going to have a sip of this cold brew right yeah, now to help me along with that. And you're going to rocket through the ceiling. Oh, that's delicious. It's Thank real you. good. It's mm. real good. Yeah. But take it a sip at a time. Just a sip at a yes. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You can always have more. You can't have less. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, so what are you – when you do get downtime, if you get downtime, mm-hmm. what are you – if you're just parked on the couch, what do you – what do you watch? Oh, well, I consider that work because I'm oh. a television writer. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> I, like, I like that viewpoint. Um, I'm obsessed with Handmaid's Tale because it reminds me of my childhood. Oh. <laughs> uh, the little bonnets. You know, I'm from a little a Mennonite and Amish village. Uh-huh. So oh, yeah. the bonnets Our- of the handmaids just bring me right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Plus also the fun, sexism, homophobia. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, are, are you from Lancaster, by the way? No, that's no, the big city. Oh, that's the yeah, big that's city? Yeah, that's the big city. Oh, that's very sad. That's about an hour and a half from where I'm from. I'm oh, from wow. a little village. Um, called Edenville, okay. population 200. Um, I'm not sure if they took one off when I left or if they or if they changed the sign. <laughs> <laughs> They've let one person in back They've let, as one person yeah. leaves. They, they, they allowed a cow in, probably. <laughs> Do you not think that there's – is there a giant sign there that says home of Our Lady J? <laughs> you know <laughs> – you would think, given my accomplishments, yeah. <laughs> however, I have a feeling that um, some good old-fashioned transphobia might play into that oh, lack gosh. of knowledge. Yeah. Can you – I mean, do you get tense watching The Handmaid's Tale? Uh, the, for me, it's too much. I – you know, sadly, I feel a little bit of relief when I watch it because the day-to-day – sexism, homophobia, misogyny, transphobia that I encounter, um, sometimes people tell you it's in your head. And then you watch something like that and you're like, oh, well, this is where we could go yeah. in a very short period of time. Right. Everything is in place for that to ha- something like that to happen. So weirdly, it I feel, feels it feels like, like a relief. 
I, this is a strange. It feels almost like cutting in a strange. Like in the, you know when people describe cutting, yeah. it's like that yeah. there's there is a release. To I love the art pain. cutting. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. that's what that is. Um, what about music? Who are you? I mean, I know Dolly Parton is uh, your soul sister. Dolly is. I consider her to be my fairy godmother. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, she has been making music since, you know, before I was born. Um, but in my household, we weren't allowed listening to any music that wasn't Christian. Somehow classical music happened. Um, I think because my family, they're hillbillies and they didn't know just how secular a lot of classical music is uh-huh. just because it didn't have words. They're uh-huh. like, oh, that'll do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was allowed listening to classical music, Christian music. And then my grandmother loved Dolly Parton. So Dolly Parton, I would hear when I would be at my grandmother's house. And so she was just this figure growing up that I was taught was a, a nice woman yeah. she sounded like Minnie Mouse um, I thought like she had really big breasts but I didn't think much of her until I really um, until much later in life actually um, after I was living in New York and my grandmother had passed away I lost connection with everyone in my family um, for about two years I, I stopped speaking to my family because there was just so much um tension around my transness, tension and confusion. Um, and so Dolly Parton, I kind of adopted as my fairy godmother, and I would listen to her for strength um, and to remind me of my family who I missed. And um, so I started performing these concerts called The Gospel of Dolly, mm-hmm. and where I would, I would perform her gospel music, but um, I don't know if you know this, a, Dolly has a lot of gospel music that doesn't have anything to do with religion. Mm-hmm. So there's the sound of the gospel choir is there, but she's just speaking about light and love and everything wonderful. Um, and then she found out about my music and me covering her music and got a bootleg CD of one of my concerts and then asked to meet me. And when I met her, I swear to God, I thought she was going to hand me a cease and desist. I was so <laughs> nervous. But she just thanked me for singing her music and then went through the set list and told me what her favorite songs were. Oh and, and she actually requested that I sing a song, um, which is her favorite. Which and was what? It's called The Seeker. Okay. So I do like a really dark Tori Amos version uh-huh. of it. Uh-huh. Her right, version. Because you're not, you're not like bubbly. doing Dolly in these. You're, no, you're no. You're doing your own. I do my own interpretation of Dolly. Yeah. And, you know, since I suffer from chronic depression. <laughs> My version of her music is a lot darker than uh, her music. Wow. That is that is a true meeting of the minds. For real. It was magical. And then she found... And then I had this concert called Boobade in New York. And my friend told her about it. And she offered to donate um, some memorabilia that we auctioned off for Boobade. What Boobade? Was Boobade? It helped. It was my uh, breast augmentation fundraiser. Uh-huh. Wow. It was before Kickstarter was around. Sure. This is in like 2009. It had to be crafty. You have to be a crafty. To, you have to be a crafty transsexual. Period. Uh-huh. <laughs> In two thousand nine, you had to be really crafty. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it was a success. It was a success. Oh, standing before you <laughs> today, so Dolly was, lives in me. Was Dolly like your window into like a world 
of color? She was. She was my earliest window into a world of color. There were a few. There was Dolly, and then there was Whitney, and sure. then there was Tori, Tori Amos. Oh, wow. Um, Probably in that order, right? In that exact order, yeah. In yeah. that chronological order. Which Whitney was the first that uh, grabbed you? The first Whitney. Yeah. Um, Whitney, Whitney, Whitney. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the documentary yet? Which one? The new one. The newest one? Yes. Is it how? That's the only one I'm aware of. There's two that came out in the last year. Yeah. I think Can I Be Me? Yes, which I did see. Which was phenomenal. Yeah. Devastating. That was the one on Showtime. Yeah. And then there's Whitney that's coming out, that's like coming out in theaters this summer. I think it's like approved by the family. Yeah. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. That's the one that I've been seeing. Yeah. So heartbreaking. Truly. Oh, yeah. I miss her every day. As do I. And then Tori. Tori. Who who thrives to this day. I love Tori. Um, Have you met her? Several times, yeah, actually. Oh. Um, strangely, she actually donated to Boobait as well. Wow. I'm like a little caffeinated already. Jeez, and now that we're talking about my me. idols, I don't know if I can handle this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tori I loved in high school because she was a classical pianist who also found her voice as a singer-songwriter. Uh-huh. And that's and that that's what I did eventually. Um, and then when the boobade thing happened, she caught wind of it and donated something that we auctioned off. And then I met her many years later, and we've stayed in touch since then. And so I see her every time she's in town, and she gives me front row tickets to her shows. She's oh also God. just another generous, amazing yeah. artist. She's wow. a kind soul. Yeah. With I, I interviewed her once, and she has eyes, you will attest to this, I'm sure, that look into your soul. Yeah. Truly, like very, and not in a not in an mm-hmm. unpleasant way, mm-hmm. but it's just like you feel like you are being seen, mm-hmm. the good and the bad. Yes. Yeah, it's seen a lot. and seen through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that's exactly right. We were holding hands at her last concert here in LA at the Ace Theater, uh-huh. like backstage, oh, wow. and looking to each other's eyes. And I was telling her about Pose, which is coming up, and which I was writing at the time. And I, I just thanked her for inspiring an entire generation of artists because every artist I know loves Tori Amos. Like she is the artist's artist, and and then I thanked her. And as I said that, we just we both started crying. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what is happening right now? I'm in some alternate universe, like. Because Tori's music got me through so much and that I do believe that the work that I create helps other people in the younger Absolutely. generation. The messages that I get are similar messages as to what I wanted to send her had I had social media at the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's just, you know, it's a it was really a moment for me. Are you able to accept that you are – that you are seen as a peer by some people that you would consider idols, you know, like. I I would hope that I take myself seriously to say yes to that question, but (laughs) it's hard to imagine that. Um, I feel like I've been just working nonstop right now for so many years that I haven't taken that much time to reflect. Um, I get scared when I reflect because it's, um, I don't know. It, the darkness in the world right now. There's so much happening and there's so much need for um, creativity and artistry. Um, I feel like I, I can't step back and reflect just yet. Mm. I need to keep going. Ask me that in a few years. 
What, what was the nature of your relationship with your family in your in your teen years? Like, when were you able to listen to to secular things? Well, I I got a scholarship to go to Interlochen Arts Academy when uh-huh. I was fifteen, and that saved my life. I had a piano teacher who would come up. He taught at Peabody in Baltimore, and we're about two hours north. And he would come up to my little village and teach me piano lessons for free um, because he saw that I had talent and ability and he was a very generous um, pianist and composer Um, and then he helped me apply for Interlochen um, where I got a scholarship and so I was able to leave home at the age of I think it was the week I turned 16 was when I went up to Interlochen and that's when I bought my first Madonna CD and and, you know Tori and everyone in the late 90s at that point Um, and then I didn't you know, I didn't look back for quite a few years. I was really angry at um, my hometown. I was really angry at my family, at the church, at the community. Um, there was so much blatant homophobia and transphobia and misogyny happening in the late 80s and early 90s um, as a result of fear around HIV and AIDS. Um, and everyone clung to religion um, steadfastly. So I wasn't really able to relate to many people in my hometown um but it were it was the artists that i found at interlochen and then subsequently in my studies in college and then when i moved to new york who i really um found my family in happy ending many years later my family and i get along great i was just visiting them last weekend so a lot has changed and a lot is um there there's been a lot of learning on both sides sure um I hate that as a trans person, I have to have patience, (laughs) but I do um, because there's just so much misinformation in the world. Um, And I have to have patience for the people who do mean well, but who are victim to systemic transphobia. And I, I have to teach them. And I've learned that by listening to my family and listening to where they're coming from, I can navigate that and help them understand their own transphobia and where it comes from. Because they're willing to listen too. They are willing to listen. I think everyone is at the end of the day. Um, It's just a matter of how do we find an in with people who seem to be intolerant and how do we create tolerance? And for me, that has been art and that has been television and music. And I think that's the power of, of television is that we can showcase different identities and we can show the world um, our humanity even though our identities may look very different our humanity is the same and when you go home to visit are they still in your same the same town they are they're still on the same farm is it such a trip to visit Amish country it is I mean the last time so two weeks ago or a week ago, I don't even know when it was. <laughs> it was very recently. Yeah. I was there. Um, when we were wrapping up Pose in New York, I took the Amtrak out my last weekend in New York. And we went out to this new restaurant that was in the town next to their town next to their town. So you always have to drive at least right. 20 miles to go yeah. to anything. Mm-hmm. And at this restaurant, I couldn't tell if people wanted to marry me or murder me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And I don't think it was even transphobia, transphobia that I was picking up on. It was that I looked like an outsider. It, was, it was like glamorphobia. Glamphobia. <laughs> Femphobia. Yes. Hollywoodphobia. <laughs> There's this sense that if you're an outsider, you're out to get them. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me really sad to see how Trump has used um, this group of people to um, to fuel his own need for power. Um, you know, I don't think Trump really has anything in common with people from my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but he makes them believe that they have something in common and he has used them. And um, it makes me very, very sad to see my family and my community be used like that. Um, they didn't have the education um, that I had with, you know, the arts, and I was able to get out. And I realized my privilege um, that I have because of that. I am able to see humanity and others where, um, you know, intolerance is ingrained in them, and uh, it's very heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, he's he is appealing to their lower selves, yeah. which we all have. We do. I'm from a rural town in Ohio. I, you know, mm-hmm. my well, not my immediate family, but like a lot of my loved ones have fallen uh, victim to it as well. But it, 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 there is a responsibility to speak to people's higher selves, which we also yes. all have, which I'm not always able or willing to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but you are. Am I? It seems. I mean, you're I doing hope it. So, I don't know. I I get on Twitter and then <laughs> I regret it. Um, Dave's on a Twitter break. <laughs> I am. I'm on a Twitter fast. Are you? Oh my god! I can't. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, it's like a massage. Yeah, it really is. It's the only place I get my news. Actually, I don't watch the news. Mm. Um, I just see what what's happening on Twitter and what people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the nice thing is when it's too horrifying which it often is you just scroll right by you're yep. like got it keep turn it moving off. turn it off do you, do you come into contact with with younger lgbt people in amish country actually i'm writing a pilot i've been working on this pilot for the last two years on spec um and i'm finishing it i'm very close to being done and um on tuesday i'm going out for two weeks to stay in amish country <clears throat> last time i stayed with an amish family and that really helped me get the first draft done. And I've worked on a couple drafts since then. And before I finish this next draft, I am going out to Amish country to interview LGBT people um, and to get to know what's happening in 2018 Amish country. Um, so I just booked an Airbnb there wow. for two weeks. I'm going to be staying and using that inspiration to finish the piece because it's really the pilot is about a young um person who's coming to terms with their queer identity in an Amish family and um but really it's it's um it's about LGBT America rural America um and what's happening in in the lives of LGBT people in rural America because it exists because they're there we can't keep moving to to cities (laughs) we can't keep moving I mean that's what a lot of us did to survive was to move out of our small hometowns Um, but I really do believe that there is power if you can survive in your hometown Um, there is power there in creating tolerance and understanding in those small communities instead of 
just abandoning them. Yeah. I do feel like I abandoned my town and I have a lot of sadness around that. Temporarily. Yeah. Temporarily. Was there a way for you to stay though? No, I would have died. Right. I absolutely would have. So yeah, release yourself from that guilt. That's the heartbreak is that it was my only option. But this is, sounds like a really cool way to heal that. It's a way to return to it. I think, um, you know, I I really love my family, and I believe they love me as well. And um, I do want to return to my town um, in a way that's more than visiting. I want to return in a way that changes the core of rural America. And um, you know, I do all I can do with my with donating to LGBT causes in rural places, um, but I feel like focusing my art in that direction is the next step. Um, one other showbiz question I have to ask you, just because I I love the show so much, is um, what uh, what can you say about the future if there is a future of transparent? I don't know. You don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm not involved in Transparent anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I didn't make, I've never made it official, but here okay. it is. Okay. All right. I'm no longer working on Transparent. Pose happened, and I am and so grateful that Pose happened when it did. Yes. I was able to transition to that next endeavor in my career. Great. All right. Well, onward and upward. Yes. All right. Uh, we will take a quick break and be right back. <laughs> Matt, not a day goes by that somebody doesn't ask, how can I support homophilia more fully? Yes, me Do you get that on the street? Too, all the time. I've, here's what they tell me. I've already bought uh, a jewel sous vide, mm-hmm. one for myself, one for my parents. Yep. Um, I have seen Hearts Beat Loud. In the theater twice. Yep. A movie that is, was a, a, you know, a, a supporter of the show uh-huh. that we love. Um, I, uh, I do everything you ask me to. What more can I do? What more can I give? And finally, we're here with some answers. Exactly. There's a lot you can do. You can do any of these things. You can subscribe to Homophilia or to any of the podcasts that you love so you never miss an episode. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Uh, preferably a five-star review. Yeah. If you have some notes and stuff and ways that we can improve, um, keep it to yourself. No, that's not really true. Yeah. Um, but but just if tell you us. wanted to, hey, Matt talks about Jennifer Aniston a lot, guess what? We know. Yeah, we Thank know. you. We know. Oh, you can also share an episode on Facebook or Twitter, or you can just tell a friend uh, and yeah. say, hey, this is work. a great show. Subscribe. Uh, do it like it's a, an election year, which it is, and just knock on some doors. Yeah. Go door to door telling people who, who might like our show that it exists. So create a, your own phone bank with your friends where you get together and oh, you have, just have a script and you call people and say, subscribe to Homophilia. That is civic engagement. That's America, baby. And you could also follow us. Uh, we're on Twitter at HomophiliaPod. Uh-huh. And you can follow uh, Earwolf on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You mm-hmm. can sign up for a newsletter at Earwolf.com. Uh-huh. We have got a, a few bucks a month. Yes. Throw them towards Stitcher Premium because there are all the shows that you love mm-hmm. uh, with fewer ads like these, mm-hmm. uh, but also exclusive stuff like Lost and Found. Hosted by Matt McConkie. Hosted by the great Matt McConkie, like uh, Strictly Business with uh, a potential future guest, Drew Tarver, who we love. Ooh. It is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. And uh, if you're a Bitch Sesh listener, they have amazing premium episodes on uh, over on Stitcher that you can only get there. Uh, they're interviewing people who are not guests on the regular show. They're sharing personal stories. 
stories that you're not going to hear on the regular show. Mm-hmm. I've been on their premium show. Great. So here's what you do. Subscribe, share, follow, and we'll see you at the top of the charts. That's right. The podcast charts. uh, By the way, uh, if you do subscribe on Stitcher Premium, use the code HOMOPHILIA and you will get a free month. Ooh. Folks, we're back with our Lady J. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, now we're going to get Deeply personal, although it, okay. it, it not as Let's though go. we hadn't been deeply personal. Before. I know. <laughs> We're going to get differently deeply personal okay. right now and get into your love life. Are you seeing anybody oh, right now? Oh, God. Yeah. Do you, just, you knew the risks. Do you just want my phone? Chat. Take the pen from my phone and open my Tinder. Oh, let's see it. <laughs> I mean, what would we see if we were to? Okay. Well, I've had many different versions of online dating. Um, the most recent... I just put a watermark over my photos that says, I am trans. Swipe left if you're not cool with that. Um, Tinder has has this option where you can put that you're trans uh-huh. in the option, but you actually have to look at someone's profile to see that. Right. You can have a bio saying that you're trans. You also have to look at the profile to see it. However, people don't swipe and look at bios. Right. They just look at the photos and... My photos are undeniable. I mean, of I course, must say. Dude, those are all swipe rights. Um, <laughs> all swipe rights. So I was getting a lot of rejection. And it would be like, you know, we'd set up a date and then they would see that I'm trans and I'd be like, oh, sorry. Or they would disappear. Or they would say, how big is your dick? Or they would just like go all over the place. So I took trans off my bio completely for a while and then I was going on dates and then getting rejected like towards the end of the date or on the second date when they would figure it out or when they would hear my voice (laughs) as long as I keep my mouth shut and sit down you know I pass (laughs) but I'm a very tall woman and I have a deep voice so I don't always pass um anyway so it was becoming just so frustrating uh, so I put a watermark on my photos. I did this like a week ago. And how was how the response been? I'm getting a lot of swipes. Not as many as I did get before, but um, still getting a lot. You know, I have the little option where you can see who swiped you. Mm-hmm. It's like Tinder Gold or whatever. Oh, ooh, you pay nice. like the 100 bucks a year or something yeah. like that. And you can hey. see who swiped you first. And it's good, you know. Um. But still, it's L.A., and people are just so flaky in L.A. Yeah. The worst. Yeah, pretty bad. I mean, pretty bad. they call it chill and casual. Those two words just mean um, uncommitted and lazy. Yeah. yeah. They really do. It's they like, mean, come on, let's commit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be exactly as committed as I feel like being on my least committal day. Yeah. Can we just commit to having a freaking Google Calendar? Like, put it in your calendar. Uh-huh. 7 p.m. Right. Dinner yeah. with Lady J. Mm-hmm. Come on. Somebody <laughs> said this to me a long time ago, and it really it, it continues to ring true. L.A. is a place, maybe the only place on the planet, except maybe San Diego, where I flaked is an excuse. Like, it's a valid yeah. excuse oh, that you would use. Totally like, oh, are we supposed to hang? I'm sorry, I flaked. <laughs> and you're supposed to just take that and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, like, happens to all of us. Sure. <laughs> no, don't it's fucking true. flake on me. I did turn on Tinder when I was in New York, and 
uh, I was surprised at like how many dates I got like right away where people were just like, okay, is 9 p.m. good? Oh, sure. Let's meet for a drink at 9 p.m. You know, like people actually wrote things down and met me when they said they were going to meet me. And any good, any good uh, prospects? Yeah. You know, I was only there temporarily, so it's hard to really care (laughs) when you can't like invest at all. Sure. You know, can you do the short term thing knowing it's a short term thing? No, I can't. I really can't dive in. I'm too old for that. I really am. I mean, I know like everything in life is impermanent, but I want to know that if I'm investing my time, even if it's an hour, that it's going to both enrich my life and enrich their life in some way that is more than just grilling each other about our backgrounds. And right. really that's all you can do in an hour is like learn someone's well, like, I'll from. go do a fucking podcast if I'm going to be grilled for an hour. At least <laughs> yeah. then people exactly. will hear it. Let's Google each other. Yeah, yeah. How about that? You know, if we really want to <laughs> yeah. go on a one-time date, let's just save it and like yeah. Google each other. <laughs> if there was a trailer of the movie of Our Lady J's dating life and relationship history, what would mm. the big trailer moments be? What would we see? If you, if you know well, what you song can actually would be set to a, oh, watch yeah. that on television because I am a screenwriter and much of my love life has been documented oh. on the screen. Oh, great. Um, right. I think, I mean, there's so much of Transparent was taken from my life. Um, season three, episode, was it five or six with Trace Lizette? Oh, right. That's one of the best episodes of TV ever with Jay Duplass yeah. with Josh and Shay yeah. that was 100% based on an experience that I was having wow. at the time um, so much that I worried that he was going to sue me <laughs> <laughs> did you hear from the person it was I actually texted him and told him to watch it <laughs> and he did and he felt really bad I mean, as he should. I mean, <laughs> so, well, this um, is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh wow, I didn't realize it was that bad." That's, yeah, well, now you know, and hopefully others will learn. That's yeah. the point. It's not to really humiliate or, I don't know. I mean, that's a byproduct. Just say, you know, poor me. But it it is like this is how we should not behave, and um, and he got that. It was nice. Yeah, I got a very nice apology from him out of it. It's worth it. <laughs> worth all the writing and <laughs> rewrites. <laughs> was there romance at Interlochen? Romance? Well, in quotation. <laughs> I mean, we were did like, you have when you're 16 years old? You know? Yeah, we were 16. Was um, there unfortunate young love at Interlochen? Oh, yes. I did have a, a crush who I just really had a hard time getting over for many years um, after Interlochen, even. Yeah. And then I ran into him on the streets in New York after I transitioned. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, you look like, I'm not going to say her name, but he said I looked like a girl that we went to school with who was his girlfriend at the time. Whoa. And I said, well, 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 maybe <laughs> I transitioned this. Maybe did I subconsciously transition to look like the girl that he was dating? <laughs> Um, he told me that I was quite beautiful, and I thought, well, it's just meant to be. We're going to fall in love, and that's that. But he's married and has two kids now, so uh, that's fine. Not with her. Not with her, with someone else. 
Um, it, <laughs> who who would be the um, the the big love of Our Lady J's life? What is not? Are we? Is it that guy? Or no? I really, I'm single, um, and so much of Pose as well. I put into uh, is about my dating life. Um, well, not so. Yeah, there's quite a bit of it coming up. You're going to see um, some characters that are based on guys that I've dated. Um, it's really hard dating. I am trans, but I'm also HIV positive. And so that was the transparent storyline. Um, and it is really, really hard. Um, and so if I, I feel like I'll start crying if I talk about it too much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a comedy. Space. Isn't this a comedy no, podcast? No, we love tears here. <laughs> Whatever you want it to Always be. the goal. There's so much misinformation out there. Um, so so much misinformation about what being positive is. And, you know, I'm undetectable. I've been undetectable for like 14 years. Um, and undetectable means that you are also untransmittable. So it's actually impossible to get HIV from me. and And yet, it is the thing that stops me from dating the most, um, more than the transness. You know, I can put trans on my profile and tell them I'm trans, and and they'll be fine with that. And then I tell them I'm HIV positive, and that's a whole other thing. Especially because the men who date women, um, both trans and cisgender women, are much less educated about HIV than queer and gay men are. Most men who date trans women identify as straight. And um, they just don't have the same knowledge about PrEP and PEP and like all of these um, and undetectable and all these um, facts around HIV AIDS. So they freak out. And I, I, I don't I feel like men, gay men included, want to just stumble into love and dating and sex and not have to put a single thought into any of it. True. And. That's all that really requires is yeah. like a, a conversation, a little bit of education. And it doesn't even, I mean, and there are also, well, here's the thing. There are also HIV criminalization laws that make disclosure very unsexy. Right. <laughs> so like HIV, it's still criminal um, to have unprotected sex of any kind in, in many states, even if you are undetectable. So even if there's no way you can transmit HIV, you still have to disclose. And the quote from that episode in Transparent was that, like, I always disclose because I'm just afraid someone's going to come murder me if they find out afterwards, like, even though they can't get it from me. Mm -hmm. um, so even that just puts a big, you know, it's just not romantic and it's not... Um, sexy to talk about it yeah. um you know hopefully uh by like creating more understanding around it in pop culture um you know it can become sexy there was this whole thing in the 90s where condoms were sexy and you know and there was like talk around there was dialogue around it but it seems that after um, medication came out and people started living longer it became less important for a lot of people yeah. so um i'm just single <laughs> Always. <laughs> is there a um, is there a long term 
like uh, fantasy? I mean, would you like to be? I'm sorry, yeah. Faye is snoring very loudly. <laughs> the dog snoring. I love it. It's so when cute. We get to the good part of the conversation. <laughs> dogs. I date dogs. My dog and I are in a long term committed relationship. Oh, nice. What kind of dog? He's a Chihuahua pug. Come on. A chug. His name is Whoa. Liberace. He's the cutest thing mm. ever. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. Would you like to be long term? I mean, is 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 a marriage and kids are those things that you think about? Or I want? mean, would I like to be HIV negative? <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure, but that's something that can't be changed. But you know, a, a, a marriage and children is a possibility at any at any time. It's just a question of like, does I. Want? That is a very um, cisgender negative HIV negative perspective um, yeah it's just dating is literally impossible yeah it literally like if if I wanted it it's it's a different to say you know yes I do want it but it's not there there are no straight men who date HIV trans women that I have met who are 100% okay with um, an HIV status. And I've dated a lot. Yeah. I've gone on many interviews. <laughs> right. So, But you can educate yeah. as you have I can before. educate, and that's you why can... I'm just going to be a filthy rich writer-producer. Right. But <laughs> you can also I'm putting educate. all of my dating energy into work. Right. But you can also, <laughs> also educate the, the men that you date. You can push them forward as you do culture, right? I hope so. I mean, I find it's, you know, a lot easier to educate the masses than it is to educate one-on-one. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to educate one-on-one. Right. Do you have, like, a spiritual path? I'm very spiritual, yes. I um, I identify as Christian um, after a trip to Jerusalem, which was very strange. I, like, came um, across Christianity in a new way. Um, but only I discovered Christianity via atheism, which I really needed to be atheist for a period of time to kind of cleanse my palate, um, which led to being agnostic, which then led to identifying as Christian again. So, yes. How, how did Christianity come back around to you in Jerusalem? I was at the Wailing Wall. Did you see Transparent Season 4? Yeah. So that was... Um, my experience there was I just had we went there the writers went to do research and um, I was at the Wailing Wall and strangely the men's and women's side um, was segregated the same way it was segregated in my church growing up and I had a moment at the wall where I realized I just saw flashes of my life um it wasn't that I felt religious there. It was that I felt the pain of everything I had witnessed in the area with the racism, the apartheid, um, how cruelly Palestinians are being treated. Um, and the pinkwashing of Israel as well, how LGBT people are used um, as propaganda. And... 
just the culmination of the pain um, at the wall, surrounded by um, these other women who were literally wailing. Um, and then to know the history of the area that I was taught as a child, I just felt very moved. <clears throat> and I understood a need for a higher power in a way that I had never understood before. I understood a need for a Messiah, whether that Messiah is fabricated or whether that Messiah is real. Like I understood the need to believe and I understood um, religion in a way that I hadn't understood before um, because I had only understood religion as something that was used to persecute and to control and to gather the masses. Um, so I understood the spirituality around religion in a way that my queerness and transness um, and where I was in society, um, where I wasn't able to understand it. So that being said, um, I was with one of our writers, Gabe Liedman, um, who is... Oh, my God. Do you know yeah. Gabe? Yeah. I love Gabe. Gabe is amazing. amazing. So I think he identifies as an atheist Jew, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and... I was like an atheist agnostic ex-Christian. And so we were just walking around after the Wailing Wall and we saw a sign that said, to the tomb. It was like printed on a laser printer. <laughs> and yeah. so we went to the tomb of the Christ. And Gabe and I went in together. We were the only people from Transparent who like had any interest in going to Jesus' tomb. Mm -hmm. And... The whole day had been just so surreal. Like there were moments that felt very dangerous. I was like a seven foot transsexual, like in Jerusalem. And, you know, there were kids throwing like firecrackers and there were machine guns. And it was just a really heightened experience on top of being jet lagged. And so Gabe and I went to the tomb with these two Orthodox Russian women. Um, they, allow, they allow four people in the tomb at a time. And then this tall man like knocks on the door and screams at you to leave it was very intimidating so we went in and I don't know what the F happened but Gabe and I were pulled to our knees on the tomb of the Christ <laughs> and I just started crying wow. and the two women were crying and it was such an insane experience um it was wow. crazy. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> fine. I understand the need for a Messiah. And like the way it represented itself in the history of the world was through this like Christ figure, whether that figure actually existed or if it's all mythology or whatever, there is an incredible amount of energy that has been poured into that belief system. And I do um, understand the desire for humanity to believe in the same thing and how that can bring us together. And so I aligned my own beliefs with it just as an experience experiment. Yeah. How would this feel? And in general, it feels great. It feels good to um, give myself to something that is higher than me. Um, also, I think it helps that Dolly is such a devout Christian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to align myself with an energy that is positive and to also revisit Christianity from a place that is, um, is not, 
brainwashed. You know, I felt like I scrubbed my brain from the place where it was used by Reagan in the eighties, you know, as a, as a way to control um, people. And I, I do feel like I have an enlightened a view compared to the view that I've been raised with. And that was a lot of talking. Oh no, God, I, no God. It's my so mouth good. hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to sort of, once you, um, embraced Christianity, did you have to kind of come out to your family again? You know, I called my dad in 2006, I think, after we hadn't been speaking for almost two years. Um, No, he called me, and we had had a big fight. And he called me to see how I was doing, and at that time I'd already decided to transition, and I didn't tell him. And so I was very angry still. (laughs) <laughs> he's like well how you doing and I said well you should probably know that I'm growing breast and I'm becoming a woman <laughs> and he said well are you still Christian and I said I still believe in peace and love and many Christian values and that was the answer I gave him and he was saying oh okay okay so I never came out as atheist to them Yeah, and I we just don't talk about religion. We learned long ago that it is best if we don't talk about religion or politics when yeah. we see each other. Smart move. That's how we get along. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm just sad that they were not able to have uh, a deep religious experience next to Gabe Liebman. I know. Because that Having... feels <laughs> nourishing to the soul. It was nourishing. Gabe Liebman is such an amazing human being. Oh my God, he makes me laugh harder than just about anyone. He's not only funny, he has a really strong moral compass. And I really love that about him. He is, um, you know, transparent was very, very difficult. Um, Everything that happened behind the scenes, as you can imagine, um, it was very difficult on all I'm of us. I'm not sure what you're referring to. I haven't I heard don't know what you're referring to. I'm it. referring to either. Know. And I still can't talk about it. I feel really um, traumatized. Um, but having Gabe there in the room was just really wonderful. And I felt like it bonded us in kind of a PTSD way forever. <laughs> Our Lady J. Thank you. Uh, I could do three more hours. Yeah, and we will. Yes. Okay, let's do it. You're in the rotation. Down. I'd like to convert. <laughs> Whether to you the, like it or not, to the Church of Our Lady J. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. I don't think you. I don't think that. But maybe if you can just help me out with Tinder. Um, oh yeah. You know, that would be enough. Oh, yeah. you know there is a homophilia bump. That is what. We oh yeah. Call Are you aware of this? Okay. That when that you come on here, if you if you do, you know, uh, put yourself out there as single, people tend to. See Are there straight DMs men that listen to homophilia? Great question. I, yes, I know a couple. <laughs> yeah, I actually do too. Yeah, I do too, actually. Great. Well, my Instagram is Our Lady J, just the letter J. Mm-hmm. Slide into my DMs. And um, don't use the word casual or chill. No. Ever. Come ready to commit. Come correct <laughs> to Our Lady J. I don't have time for that. Thank you so Thanks much. So for much. This is awesome. Thank you. Oh, my God. God bless America. Right? Uh, and God bless Our Lady J. Uh, American dream. That was really one of our all-time greats. Yeah, she's uh, she's really something. 
Um, I think you're really something, Dave oh, Holmes. Man, I think you're really something too. I think you're really something, Dana Wickens, our producer. Uh-huh. <laughs> ben and, Wise, you're really something with the music and uh, whatnot. Oh my God! You there with the headphones listening? You're really something. You're the most special of all, guys. Um, God bless America, and uh, good luck with this meth addict teen mm-hmm. daughter that Sarky is our country. Teen. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, take care of your dicks. That's right. <laughs> and we'll see you in a week. Bye. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Jazos! (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.